Welcome to What Compassion Accomplishes, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about domestic abuse and sexual assault. The topics discussed in this podcast, including survivor stories, supportive services, and domestic abuse or sexual violence, can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. Welcome to another edition of What Compassion Accomplishes. Hi, I'm Corey Michaels, along with Chris Davis with the WCA, and another wonderful chance for us to get together and have some conversations. Hi, Corey. It's so great to be here with you, and thank you for helping us out with this. Oh, always. It is just my honor. I'm thrilled whenever it comes time to do our next episode. And and today we've got a very cool one. Do you want to introduce our our guests. I am so excited to introduce our guests. We have our two uh, new Jesuit volunteers here. Uh, the JVC house was uh, closed down in Boise last year, but it's been here uh, since I've been with the WCA. We've had a JV community in Boise. And those, uh, for those of you who don't know, I encourage you to go out and check out the uh, JVC Northwest website. Um, they have JVC National, but here locally, we have the JVC community in Boise, and they have it all over the Northwest. Um, it's a, um, a service community organization, mm-hmm. and they actually um, are like full-time staff, but they are doing a year of service. So they come and they do you know 40 hours a week and do a job, but they're, they're doing a year of service. So they're doing like a volunteer job, but doing real jobs, and they, they do it after either they finish their bachelor's or finish a master's degree typically, and... Um, I think it's just a fantastic program, and um, I think I was counting up, and either directly on my team or at the WCA specifically, I've worked with 15 different JV volunteers on my time at the WCA from all over the U.S., and they're just fantastic humans. And so we have our two JVs in the house here with a study that just started with the WCA, and I'm I'm so privileged to introduce Carol and Emily to you today, and we get to learn a little about them, a little about the program, and what what really drives them um, to do this. It's a year of their life. Uh, they move away from their homes, their families, and they live together in community. It's um, it's just pretty awesome. So I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited to share them with you. Well, and, and welcome, ladies. As we were talking about before we started the podcast, you just got here, both of you, at the starting of August? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. I think like August 1st. So it's been a hot minute, but we're still getting our feet on the ground. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Carol, <laughs> Woodard, and um, Emily. So tell us, uh, first, take it one at a time. Tell us who you are and what brought you here. Awesome. My name's Caro from Atlanta, Georgia. I graduated from the University of Georgia with degrees in educational theory and practice, specifically in teaching middle school. Um, when kind of considering what to do after college, I really considered Peace Corps for a while. And just a year of service was so attractive because while I realized I love teaching, I really loved the relational side of it and getting to work with communities and families more than the actual, you know, sitting up there and like talking about math or science. <laughs> And JVC Northwest and programs of such sorts definitely offer an opportunity to do those things, to build a community with different kinds of folks, to get involved in new things, really learn about the systems that young adolescents and their families are interacting with in their daily lives. And 
that was very attractive for me, kind of thinking about how do I enhance my knowledge of communities and the students I'll be working with and then do a year of service where I'm partnering with communities to do some really cool work. That's wonderful. All right, Emily. I'm Emily Damer, and I'm from Lino Lakes, Minnesota. And in May, I graduated um, with my bachelor's from St. Norbert College, and I studied psychology and peace and justice studies. And one thing that drew me to a year of service is that I, um, I graduated in three years of college, and I'm young for my grade. So technically, when I graduated uh, with my bachelor's, I was 20. And so I wasn't necessarily ready to enter the quote-unquote adult world. Um, <laughs> I'm I, not ready yet either, so. <laughs> I haven't decided what I'm doing when I, when, I, when, I, when, right. I, when I grow up yet, Emily, so you're not alone. <laughs> I, I knew, I was thinking I wanted to go on to grad school, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to, if I wanted my master's or doctorate in psychology, and I figured the worst thing to do would be to enter a program just because I didn't know what to do and then decide like two years into the program or something that it just wasn't for me. And I've also always um, been drawn to service and serving my community. And though, like Carol mentioned, we just moved to Boise, I've always been drawn more to serving in a local sense as opposed to internationally, just because there's all sorts of concerns about, you know, ethics and motivations for doing such things. So to be able to help at at home um, was really meaningful to me, and specifically at the WCA was a really good position for me. Well, good. Well, again, welcome to Boise. And I hope in your year you get a chance to really soak in all that uh, we have to offer. It's a wonderful community, and I know I'm a little biased, but uh, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. So yeah, that's the second question: is why you so the um, how the the process works is we apply for a position, um, you know, where there's a need, and it's an unduplicated position. So it, you they don't replace the JV program. The positions don't replace a staff position. So it's in, okay. it's expanding our capacity. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, they yeah. don't they don't replace a, um, a position. So it's um, Emily's working with our outreach team and Carol's working with our prevention team. So enhancing right. our ability to go out and work. And we've had some of our um, JVs in the past in our service area, and uh, we've opted to um, provide opportunities to help um, expand our a community out in the in the or our work out into the community, which has given us opportunities to build foundation and provide structure to new programs and just do some really cool stuff. Um, so it, it builds each year. By the way, it builds. Um, we have um, new presentations and new programs that they help us build, and so mm-hmm. we have that that we can then implement whether we have a new JV the following year or not, which we've been very fortunate to continue to have that support, but gives us new building blocks, if you will. Um, but what I want to know from these um, amazing young people, by the way, they are just absolutely fantastic and delightful yes. and very smart, um, is why the WCA? Because they're you know all over the Northwest and Alaska and in different settings. I would like to know from them why they chose the WCA. Yeah, I was truly drawn to the WC because of the position I'm serving in right now, the prevention coordinator. I really value being able to talk to young people about things that they're seeing in their daily lives, such as dating, relationships, you know, how to navigate the world as a young person in 2021. And this position allows me to go into schools, talk to youth groups, and just like middle schoolers, high schoolers about, you know, healthy dating norms and consent and relationships and 
that was just a really an opportunity that I think would expand my capacity to be able to connect with these kind of people inside and outside the classroom and work with some really cool folks who are already doing incredible work in the communities. And kind of as we've been here, I'm sure Emily can attest to this as well. We realized what a pillar the WCA is in the community and with the great services it does. So it's just truly an honor to be able to do some good work with some really great folks. That's wonderful. And Emily, for you, what was what really drew you to the WCA? I guess initially I was drawn to the WCA because of my psychology background. I knew that in my year of service, I wanted to um, sort of en- enhance my <laughs> resume as as you will, but also I wanted to get more insight into what specific field of psychology I wanted to go into. And I, I was looking for a position that would be be relevant and in the field, but also not one that was so direct with service that I ended up like burning out and being so, so emotionally exhausted. Um, and the, the outreach position really uh, drew me in because there's, there's some educating the community on things that I, I didn't have a chance to learn when I was, you know, in middle school or high school. And um, yeah, so I, I, the subject is very close to my heart. I am a survivor. And so to be able to do that outreach is really meaningful because we're, we're sort of targeting the presentations at other people who have experienced either domestic violence or sexual assault. And so to be able to um, sit there and either give a presentation or be at um, an outreach table at whatever event um, is really cool. And I'm, I'm excited to get to do that and just approach these subjects with people who've either directly experienced it or like in the role that Caro does, hers is all about prevention. And ideally, you know, um, the statistics are sobering. So to be able to prevent somebody from even having, having to go through that would be ideal. So I've, I've really um, loved everybody at the WCA so far. It's a, it's a wonderful environment. And like Caro said, I mean, we tell when anybody asks where we are and we say the WCA, they have nothing but good things to say. Absolutely. Corey, what, um, I want to ask, pose that question to you. You are, you are helping us. You're guiding us through this process of learning how to do this podcast. And you've been nothing but um, enthusiastic about participating in this and chatting with me anytime. What, what, uh, why do you want to participate? What draws you to help um, start these conversations about what compassion accomplishes? Well, you know, the being... Uh, being someone obviously much, much older, I think we could combine the two young ladies here <laughs> and I'm still older than the two of them combined. But, uh, you know, it was uh, so in my years I've had uh, from when I was young friends and um, people that I know that were survivors and some survived better than others, you know, because the you know years ago the services really weren't there. And so there wasn't that. You know, even if the the perpetrator went to jail, whatever, that still didn't fix the person who had this horrific thing happen to them. And some grew strength out of that and went on to be advocates. Uh, others, they just they never were able to get past it, and it just. It, it broke my heart. And so this is something when I moved here 20 years ago and I'd started doing things with the WCA and I used to do a, a program called Adopt a Family uh, when I was still on the radio. 
and we, you know, adopted different families that were in some very, very uh, horrific situations. And for years, we got one of our, uh, for a few of the years at least, we've got uh, some from uh, the WCA and, uh, you know, Nampa Family Justice and uh, local uh, in the, these cases were gals and kids that had literally left in the middle of the night with nothing, but they had each other. They were out of that situation and we had the services here. The WCA was here for them to not just, okay, yes, give them a, a blanket and some food and encouragement, but truly be able to work with them so that they can get past that sometimes guilt a feeling somehow they brought this on themselves and you know all those different uh, thoughts that run through someone's head that's in a traumatic situation seeing the good and working directly with so many of the the families and seeing them blossom the best part was seeing some of those young ladies and their kids two, three, four years later, and they were not just surviving, they were thriving. And and it was because of the services that were provided there. So when the opportunity came up to be able to help the WCA and to be a part of this podcast, it was, there really wasn't even a thought behind it. It's like, yes, I'm in. That is so cool. And that is, that is what we talk about. Um, with what compassion accomplishes and your compassion. Um, and we talk about compassion and we talk about a lot of things on this podcast, which is why Emily and Carol, I'm happy you're here today um, sharing with us why you're doing what you're doing. And, and it's so important in both the outreach and prevention. I think those roles are crucial um, in sharing education, sharing um, Emily, you're learning to the presentations that are really important right now, which are really hard to learn to talk about the break the cycle, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, the 50,000 foot kind of 101 about domestic abuse, about the different types, which we take out into the community and really we'll, we'll give to anyone. We've been doing it over Zoom mostly um, and never your fault, which is about sexual assault, um, consent, those things. Um, and those things are hard to talk about. And you're immersing yourself in that. Um, Carol is learning um, some of the you're learning some of the curriculum, small group stuff, which we take into the schools um, in small group, but really for at risk um, youth. Um, we go into the homeless shelter, going to um, the local organization that provides um, safe place for children, youth who are um, dealing with substance abuse. Um, it's uh, some of those at-risk programs. So those really are um, crucial, crucial yes. programs that we have. In addition to the services that we provide mm-hmm. to um, women and men and children who are who are in it, they are dealing with the trauma of domestic abuse, and also those who have gotten out but are still dealing with the trauma. Because, like you said, Corey, um, sometimes you get out and you're safe, or hopefully you're safe, but you get out, right. but you you just you just haven't broken free from that trauma. Because uh, as you are learning, both of you, um, I'm looking at Carol and Emily, like you can see what I'm doing. <laughs> um, forget there's their video on this one. Um, sometimes that trauma lives in the body. We can we can talk a lot about trauma. Yeah. Um, and it stays with you. So there's a lot about domestic abuse and about trauma that we are learning over the years, but we'll get back to this. And I want to ask um, Emily and Carol a question. And, and um, what do you hope to accomplish with your year of service? If I could just ask you one thing, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What do you hope to accomplish? 
And maybe what do you hope to gain? You can answer uh, either one of those things. Sure, that's a great question, Chris. Um, I think considering my background in education, kind of looking forward to a career like that, I hope to kind of gain more confidence in talking to young folks about topics of justice and injustice. And, you know, at the heart of domestic violence and sexual assault, there are power dynamics and systems of oppression that are impacting groups more so than others. And I think in learning how to navigate these conversations in safe spaces and create you know, culture of care where we can talk to young folks about these issues. I hope to really fine tune my ability to create those spaces and facilitate those conversations to be that supportive force for young adolescents and middle schoolers, high schoolers, so we can, you know, really base prevention in education and by educating, change minds, change norms around dating, violence, sexual assault. And, you know, by doing that, really do our duty to create safer communities. And that's just a small role I hope it can play and really improve my ability to contribute to. I would say that's a big role. Yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge role. We take it day and, by day. Well, no, I think that's so crucial, you know, and I want to give props to you because if everyone um, looked at that from that standpoint and said, that's a small role I hope to play, that's a big role. Mm-hmm. And everybody can play that small role in their homes, in their churches, in their youth groups, in their, in their jobs when they're interacting with young people. Um, you're looking at it as a small role, and you're you're going into a, a career field that does interact with youth every day. But that's a big role. That's a really a big role. But you're look, you know, it's just a small part of your job. So hats off to you. That's great. Thank you. Absolutely. I think you speak really well to the ways that all of us can play a role in that. And I think that's why WCA is such an incredible organization because it does like uh, aim to inform you know teachers, community members, parents, kids, and it does start at home. It starts in our own little circle, whether that be our communities on a smaller or like bigger level. Yeah, that's a, it is a very big role. So you speak to it as a small role, but I would say that's a big role um, and one that all of us can play uh, when we when we evaluate the roles we play with young people um, of all ages, starting, starting small, but um, middle school, high schoolers, um, whether we're educators, but if we interact with uh, youth in our homes and um, our youth groups and our churches um, as coaches, Um, It may just feel like it's a small role, but it's really a very big role in um, changing cultures and changing our communities so that it's a safer place for those young people as they grow into adults. How about you, Emily? I guess two words that come to mind when I'm thinking of my motivations for my year of service, um, specifically my position at the WCA, and what uh, I hope to accomplish are uh, empowerment and awareness I think empowerment, both both for myself um, as a survivor, but also for those who have experienced or are currently experiencing um, domestic violence and sexual assault, to to know that they're not alone, that they have worth, that there is life after abuse, and that healing is possible, and that um, there are so many resources there to help them and people who care is really important to me. And also from the awareness awareness side, so many people not, not out of um, a, a lack of caring are simply just not educated on these topics or realize how, how truly prevalent they are in the community. And there's a lot of misconceptions, of course, about both those topics and um, the people that they happen to and the people who perpetrate them. And so to be able to um, go into the community and have those conversations about, you know, warning signs to look out for, for, you know, parents or friends or people who, who really have loved ones and they, 
their lives that they really care about, but also to educate people um, about the, their rights and what what they what they deserve in in healthy and thriving relationships to hopefully make it so that one day, while it might be while it's a hard concept to grasp, but one day. Um, Nobody will have to be be victimized or experience such things, and that the WCA would just go out of business because there wouldn't wouldn't be people to serve. But that that's a lofty goal, but it's it's one to keep in mind as a motivation for doing the work that we do. Well, and I think that is, or at least should be, the goal of anyone, and no matter what type of prevention services that that you're doing, is to make your own job obsolete. Absolutely. I'm over here doing an invisible mic drop. Because, uh, <laughs> that is, you know what, I, I need to I need to not have a job, um, literally, because that because that means there's no more work to do. Um, you hit it right on, you know, the nail on the head. Yep. Both of you, I think, know why you're here and have the absolute goal just within a few weeks. I think it's a beautiful thing um, to know. I mean... <laughs> You know, we say like that's the perfect story. That's a good story, and it that means it's not a good story, right? It's a terrible, horrible story, but it's the perfect story to illustrate. It's a good story to tell, um, to try to help people understand, um, and try to engage them in those conversations. To try to help them look around and understand that it's is there. It is all of our problem, and we mm-hmm. all should care about everybody and this issue because. It is much more prevalent. It is much more than physical violence. Mm-hmm. And we all can play a part. And we all should be playing a part. And I think you both um, have very good reasons and motivations and rationale. And I think you're going to have a great year. Um, and I do hope you just take care of yourselves. Um, because vicarious trauma, for anybody listening to this, is a very real thing for anybody um, doing any kind of work like this. And when you think about this stuff a lot, it can... Um, you know, get you down a little bit. So mm-hmm. if this podcast has triggered anything, um, I encourage you to reach out to somewhere like the WCA or um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Uh, we'll make sure those links are in the description. But get up and go take a walk. I know I see some beautiful light coming inside here, inside the studio. Um, take a bath, read a book, reach out to someone um, that you care about, have a good talk. Self-care is very important in any kind of work if you're working in victim services. Yeah. But it's also just um, important, especially right now, because there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in the world. Um, it's important to take care of yourself, period, especially if you are a survivor of any kind of uh, trauma um, or stress. Um, right. There's a lot of stress in the world right now. Yes, it's there just is. important to take care of yourself, period. Um, to be... In good relationships with other people, you need to be in a good relationship with yourself. And a lot of people don't recognize that. So I want to say thank you to Carol and Emily for coming in today because I know they've got a lot of work on their slate today, still learning a lot and making good relationships with folks. And uh, well, yeah, they're and, doing great stuff. And oh, I'm sure they are. I, and that's kind of along those lines because it is still so new. There are, you know, the learning just got here getting the whole lay of the land and everything. Um, I, I think we should have them back on podcast in six, eight months absolutely, or so after they've been doing it and had the time to really immerse yourself into the program and to the, and all of that. And, and then see, 
you know, what the perspective is and how you're feeling then and what growth you've been able to find in yourself and in the programs uh, through your time here. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. We're thrilled to be here and would be honored to come back. Okay. Thank you so much, Corey. Oh, absolutely. And Chris, again, a, uh, a very different one this time than some of our other, which that's what I love about our podcast is each time we try very hard to, to make sure we're bringing in lots of different perspectives and, uh, lots of different things that all affect the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like these two outstanding young ladies, uh, we've, uh, we're going to have Crispin coming back on for another yeah, one. Yeah. He, was, uh, he was fabulous. And again, a very different uh, perspective um, there. We've had law enforcement. We've had Dr. Salazar. And so if there is a subject, if there is something that you haven't heard us go over and you think it would be important survivor we're gonna have another we're we're gonna have some more survivors yes um reach out to us um and again i'd say if you have a survivor story you want to share um reach out to us we want to make sure that folks are in the right space um Mm -hmm. on their journey to survivor uh, on their survivor journey um so that it doesn't re-traumatize um we've had some folks reach out and let us know they want other they want some survivor stories and we just want to let folks know that it's not always at the right place for people to share. So that is why we don't always share more survivor stories. Um, We want to be cognizant of that um, because it can be re-traumatizing to share sometimes. Um, And we know it is helpful for people to hear other people's story of survival. Mm -hmm. So it's a fine balance there. It is Um, because at the end of it, even though the, the circumstances and the stories are horrific, um, no matter what, the circumstances were it's a horrific situation that no one ever should have to yeah. endure. And sometimes sharing can be helpful. Yes. And sometimes it can also be harmful and triggering and, you know, well, just kind of vet that out. So, um, and we want to remind everyone that it's the hope at the end. Yeah. Now, as we go through this horrific story for the ones that are in the right place yes. to be able to share and they find it cathartic, it's good yes. for them to be able to and share. It's physically safe for them to <clears throat> share because yeah. it sometimes isn't. Right. Also, well, we've done, uh, you know, I've done a lot in the past where, yes, we've had to use, um, uh, you know, just, yes. yeah, just make yep. up a name for them so, just to keep them safe. And hearing something specific or you want to share, reach out and let us know. We've got some um, that we're recording coming up that I think will be um, hopefully really helpful to folks because we're talking about what compassion accomplishes, just like these two um, guests today. Their, their compassion for sharing and engaging and um, helping make their community better mm-hmm. um, by giving up a year of their life. <laughs> To come hang out with us in Boise, Idaho, um, and help engage youth and help engage the community. I, I'm i always so impressed by the folks that come participate in the JVC um, Northwest um, program. Again, I've, yeah. I've worked with almost, or directly worked with, or been involved with almost 15, I think 15 now. Um, mm-hmm. So impressed. So yeah. impressed by, it's truly the compassion that they have for their for making the world a better place in their communities it's as just astounding i have so much respect for them and what a great program so i appreciate you coming today i wish uh, i wish more people had that compassion absolutely i'm i'm uh, you know what it's it inspiring to me um it's truly inspiring and it fills me with hope it does and that's 
what this is all about. And we thank you. And remember all of the, any of the links, any of that, any of the phone numbers, contact info for the WCA. That's all in the description here of the podcast. Thank you again for joining us for another edition of What Compassion Accomplishes. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Compassion Accomplishes. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic abuse, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the WCA's 24-hour hotline, 208-343-7025.